back into the David Glenn Show, hour number two here on Carolina Panthers Takeover Day. David Jackson with you filling in for DG today. Watch a little football of his own overseas. We'll, we'll get a DG update later on. But uh, takeover uh, week, we, we've reached the end of week one. We've got all kinds of takeover days for you in week two. And uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to a full slate of going around and visiting with the various state sports entities and, uh, and getting your full dose here. Uh, one of DG's great uh, David Glenn show traditions. And, uh, and we finish up week one with Carolina Panthers today. In hour number one, we broke down the, uh, the exhibition win for the Panthers over the Bears last night. Uh, got some uh, some initial takes in on uh, QB play, uh, new defensive look, uh, the play of Joey Sly and, and his 55-yard field goal, part of a three-field goal effort for him uh, on the evening. We're uh, hoping to connect here in just a few minutes with Caroline Kand of Panthers.com. She was with the team last night, as we mentioned. Their charter got in after 3 in the morning to Charlotte. These, these guys haven't exactly been living the, the luxury life lately. Uh, in Spartanburg for camp, quick trip up to Chicago, play a game, on a flight, back to Charlotte at 3 a.m. I'm hoping they got today off. And then it's uh, right back down to training camp to finish things up as they will hold joint practices with the Bills um, here over the next uh, few days leading into Friday night, one week from today. Uh, Panthers taking on the Bills, the preseason uh, opener at Bank of America Stadium. Week two action uh, coming your way. Again, uh, still a handful of games left in uh, preseason week one. You got the Bucks and Saints playing uh, uh, on um, uh, or tonight, rather. So you get a chance to look at uh, the rest of the NFC South. Uh, as we wrap up preseason week number one. All right, so let's go to the phone lines now. Uh, Caroline Can from Panthers.com. She was our link to the starters last night and did an excellent job of bringing some perspective uh, for the guys that weren't suited up in the uh, Panthers win over the Bears. Caroline, thank you for joining us on a tight turnaround here. I know you guys got in late. Welcome into the David Glenn Show. Thank you so much. I am a little off on my time, so I'm feeling that 4 a.m. arrival back here in Charlotte. I was about to say, you know, fans might not necessarily fully understand. You know, they turn the game off and it's over. But for people like you in the travel party, there's post-game interviews. There's there's the trip to the airport. I'm sure even O'Hare is inaccessible at, at 2 in the morning or whenever that was. But but give us a sense of what that was like last night uh, when you landed in Charlotte and, and how the team spends today trying to kind of spin themselves back in the training camp mode yeah you are completely right about getting to o'hare even at the hour that we were traveling it was still traffic because it's chicago and it wouldn't be chicago without traffic so we get a police escort to the airport which is nice um, but we still did not land back in charlotte until a little bit after 3 a.m um, and then we get on buses and head to bank of america stadium so our travel did not fully wrap until 4 a.m. The players and all of us staff, we head home trying to get a little bit of sleep. But for us staff, it's still a work day. Our office is still open. So thankfully, we're able to work from home. I think all of us are working on a um, – I'm on four hours of sleep, which I think might be on the good end as far as what some people got today. But the players do have the day off today. They'll have to report for treatment um, and things like that. And then they actually get tomorrow off as well. Um, before heading back down to training camp in Spartanburg uh, for Sunday's practice. 
Caroline Can joining us from Panthers.com and Panthers TV here on the David Glenn Show on Panthers Takeover Day. And, oh, you know, we, we talked about how you're embedded with the team. You may have a little bit more insight than the, the traditional reporters that travel their own ways to get to these games. So in all of that, that uh, traffic to O'Hare and flight back to Charlotte, did you get a sense from players, coaches, were the internal expectations of last night, preseason week number one game, were, were those expectations met? Yeah, I think they were happy with what they were able to put out there. I mean, I think a lot of last night was just what do we have? You know, we've seen what we have in training camp and when you're going against your own team, but it is different when, you know, the lights are on and the cameras are rolling and you're against an opponent. So I think that's what last night was. And I think they got that out of it. I think I know some guys want to have some plays back, some coaches maybe want some plays back. But on the way back, it was all about just look. They were on their iPads, you know, reviewing tape it wasn't like they were celebrating a win let's be honest this is the preseason they understand um, that it's just about getting out there and making sure they're getting their reps so it was more of a review period on the way back whereas a normal a normal regular season game when you get a win um, there was a little bit uh, rowdier of a crowd on the plane back Carolina, if last night was about first impressions for guys like Brian Burns, Elijah Holifield, another one that comes to mind, um, and, and I'm sure there are some others, who do you feel like took the most advantage of that opportunity, as you said, to get in front of the bright lights and show coaches that they can make plays when at least a game is simulated as much as the preseason can allow? Yeah, I think the two names that you mentioned are just the easy ones to say because they were so impressive, even though, you know, Holyfield, he did have that fumble, but I think this game, of course, it's about how you recover, and he did a fantastic job of bouncing back. He had a short memory. He was still talking about that play after the game of wanting that one back, but the fact that he was able to go out there, score two more times, um, and really make his impact on that on that uh, game was really, really big for him. Uh, but then Brian Burns, let's be honest, he's been playing two-hand touch football since he became a Carolina Panther, not able to get after the quarterback in practice. And we saw, you know, last night what can happen when he's really able to go and get the quarterback in sack. Caroline Ken joining us from Panthers TV here on the David Glenn Show. And, and Caroline had some great insight last night with, uh, with her interviews with Luke Keekley with Greg Olson. And I, I think this, this point is underscored a little bit in what Elijah Holyfield was able to do. You, you had a report with Greg Olson last night where he and, and you talked about his interaction with Holyfield after the fumble. And, and I understand it's a preseason game, and, and again, fans are kind of paying attention, not paying attention. But in your experience in the NFL, what is the value of having those guys that aren't playing, that are in street clothes, that don't even really have to be there, but they still are there, and they're interacting with players that are trying to make that, that, that bubble become a roster spot? What is the value of the interaction of a guy like Greg Olson walking over to, to Elijah Holyfield and saying, hey, man, it's okay, go out and play the next play? Um, it's huge, and it's why they're there. I mean, these guys could easily stay home, and that's what you'll see sometimes in the regular season is if a guy's not playing, or you know, none of the guys last night were necessarily injured, and that's why they were out. Um, but it's worth it for the team to say, get on the bus, get on the plane, we're paying for your meals, we're paying for everything, you know, to get you there. So at least, like, monetary value, it's, they're seeing that. But I think, too, it's just it's priceless to have, you know, rookies come off sit on the bench and they're getting instant feedback from guys that have been there. And that's what I think these games are so important. We're starting to see this trend more and more of veterans not playing in these games. And you can, you know, 
I can see both sides of the coin on that argument, but I think once you actually see what happens when the young guys can get in there and play, and they're getting that immediate feedback, and I think, too, you get a different perspective as a vet when you turn into the coach. You know, think about any time that, you know, you, anyone out there in the business world, you've had like a mentee come to you and you're telling them things and you're like, oh, that's actually really good advice. I should probably do that myself. So I think that too happens with these vets is they are able to see tape live and be able to make corrections. So I think for both the vets and the rookies, you're right. It's completely priceless. These guys are able to get this, you know, immediately and make corrections and end up, you know, like Holyfield did, you get that instant feedback and you head right back in and, and you make a difference. Caroline can joining us here on the David Glenn show. A couple questions to wrap up. One of those veterans that we did not see last night, obviously Graham Gano nursing the knee injury. I'm sure you will say the name Joey Sly quite a bit this week as, as he was one of the positives out of last night's game. But, but is this conversation just as Ron Rivera said it, is that over in, in terms of Sly being a, a Carolina Panther? Did he do something though for himself and his career trajectory last night with his performance uh, for the Panthers? I think he absolutely did. I mean, I'm just thinking back when I was in Indianapolis, we have, you know, there was Adam Vinatieri, and there was not going to be any kind of kicking controversy there, but we brought in a a kicker for training camp, and he's now the starting kicker for the um, Chargers. So, and the money badger, I think is what they end up calling him. So, Badgley is his last name. He came in, had a great, you know, training camp and preseason and was allowing Adam to rest. Uh, and then he's all of a sudden like one of the faces of the Chargers. So I think definitely when you get the opportunity to go out there, I mean, that's what a lot of these guys are doing more, you know, about half the team is going to get cut. So they need to be putting tape out there for other, other teams. And I definitely think that happened last night for him. Final question for you, based on last night and kind of this stage of training camp, and again, your years in the business, what, what do you feel like the keys are for this team as they go back down to Spartanburg for week two? Who needs to, to stand out? What can they gain out of time with, with another team on the practice field as Buffalo joins them later in Spartanburg? Yeah, I think these practices are going to be really important because they're more controlled than a game. So we will see the Curtis Samuels and the DJ Moore and the Cam Newtons out there running against the ones. Um, for the Buffalo Bills, and, and I think the familiarity between these two teams, there's a lot of former Panthers on this Bills team, so I think it's a good controlled environment where, yes, they are going to be competing against one another and tempers will get high. There's always normally a good uh, chippy chippy little uh, confrontation between teams that are practicing together, but I think this game today, it's a great opportunity when it's not a game to allow these first string and starters to get reps that are more controlled and more calculated than in a game and can help you know, help them get out there and not have to hold your breath sometimes with injuries. So I think that's the big point this week. Um, But I think, too, we still want to see the quarterbacks be able to kind of separate themselves in that backup position. I think Kyle Allen did a great job last night. Um, But, you know, there's still some things that he can work on. And then if you look at Wilker's stat line, nothing really pops out. Positively, you're seeing the negative interception. But I think, you know, it was his first time out there seeing the speed of the NFL game. So I don't think it's a fair assessment to say, oh, we have a runaway for the backup quarterback spot. And I still think that's a competition we need to watch because it's one that we know, as we saw last year, is very important. And Cam is healthy and is going through the process of everything, but having that security of a backup quarterback, I think, is really vital for this team.
More of this insight that Caroline just dropped on you, available at Panthers.com. Her reports from Spartanburg have been, I know, invaluable to keep fans kind of uh, in tune with what's going on with the Panthers as they get ready for week two. Caroline, we owe you a caffeinated beverage of your choice uh, for for sticking (laughs) with us on four hours of sleep. Thanks very much for the insight, and and we look forward to uh, to interacting with you down in Charlotte later this year. Thank you. All right. That's Caroline Can joining us from Panthers.com. She was on the sidelines last night. Panthers TV network as uh, Carolina knocked off Chicago in week number one. Again, you hear late night. That, that's that, the less glamorous part of the, the professional or college athletes. I mean, no matter what the situation is, they're, they're all kind of the same. You get that. It's that bus ride that never gets started because there's always one person left in the locker room. So you sit there and you wait and you wait and you wait. And then you get the, the police escort to the airport and then you wait for everybody to get on the plane because whether you're sitting in a terminal and everybody's standing up like gate lice trying to get in on that first pre-board group or if you're with a charter group that just gets off the bus and walks on the plane, 90 people on an airplane takes a little while to get there. So you wait and you wait some more and you finally fly back and you get off the plane and all of a sudden it's like four in the morning. You can start to see maybe the sun coming up and you're like, man, I got to go to the office. It's a, t- it's a tough gig, but uh, next time next time you think about, you know, when your favorite team travels somewhere, uh, you know, just, just remember that when you turn the game off, it's not over for them. Uh, you know, now also they make millions of dollars and, and probably <laughs> can get their own coffee. I get that part of it, but it is, is for those of you that like logistical things, it is kind of interesting sometimes to see how these sports teams do it uh, night after night. Uh, for the ones that travel more like Major League Baseball and the NBA, it's even crazier than what it would be for for a one-off trip like the Panthers had last night to uh, to Chicago. And that's the great thing about uh, David Glenn, too. He details a lot of this stuff for you if you're a regular listener to this program, which I hope you are. Uh, and quite honestly, if you're, uh, I'm, I know you are because you wouldn't be listening to someone other than DG otherwise, but uh, still fun to get inside the business element of this sometimes as well. Thanks to Caroline Can for joining us. We're going to have Damian Lewis on in just a little bit. He actually caught up earlier today with Darren Vaught, uh, scheduling being what it is sometimes. Uh, Darren was able to catch to uh, catch up with Damian and get his insights. We're also going to have Kevin Donnelly uh, joining us here on Panthers Takeover Day uh, coming up just after the top of the 2 o'clock hour, and we'll get his uh, insights as well on what went on last night and, and also, we're going to talk with Kevin some about this whole idea of the preseason shifting. Uh, you know, we, we saw that talk earlier um, uh, about a month ago, I guess now, about, you know, do we need more regular season games and less preseason games? It still all comes down to money. But what is the player's perspective behind that? What what does Kevin Donnelly remember from his playing days and now a little bit different uh, role with the Panthers radio network and, and Panther vision as well? But but what might translate there? What what might make sense in all of this uh, hypothetical crazy talk about what could be done with the NFL preseason? And, and we are fueling that today because our hypothetical question of the day is if you could wave the magic wand and the NFL could play a preseason exhibition game anywhere, what might be the cool place. We've got Happy Valley on the list. We've got the Cotton Bowl on the list. We have the moon on the list. The Thanks, moon. Darren. The moon. I know that's Darren's <laughs> leader in the clubhouse. Um, but uh, but we want to know what you think. Where could the NFL maybe stage a preseason exhibition game? If all revenue rules are off, what might make sense? 800-849-2761, the number to call to get your example of that in. Here on a free-for-all Friday, a Friday on a Panthers takeover day, David Jackson in for DG today on the David Glenn Show.
Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. And the Ad Council. Welcome back into the David Glenn Show. It's a Hootie takeover day, apparently, as well. Carolina Panthers takeover day. You know, Darius Rucker occasionally comes by, sings the national anthem at Bank of America Stadium. Hopefully, he'll he'll do that again soon. He's like Our, the pride of South Carolina, too. He, I mean, he and is. it's and as long as David Tepper is going to keep up this, I mean, he's leaning in on the two states thing. Two states, one hootie, man. I, I think that's that's got some real staying power. Uh, can't wait to hear the new song. The new uh, the new CD comes out in September, and so that's got a time. I mean, he's got to come to the game. I, I don't think the Dolphins are on the schedule this year, but who knows, man? Soon, one day it'll happen. Hey, so our hypothetical question of the day here on a free for all Friday, and again, 800-849-2761, the number to call to be a part of this. We've been asking throughout the day. Again, kind of playing off Major League Baseball, playing a game in a cornfield in Iowa next year between the Yankees and White Sox. Tip of the cap to Field of Dreams. They're going neutral site. All these other leagues in in college sports does neutral sites, but the NFL preseason is in the same stadiums that you see them in all the time. So our hypothetical question is, if you could wave the revenue wand that controls this stuff and say all bets are off, you could play a game anywhere you want to, where would be a cool place to see an NFL preseason game in a neutral site waged. Uh, we got a great tweet in uh, just a few minutes ago uh, from Terrell. He says that uh, he thinks, and, and I think he's bringing uh, some salt into the wounds here. Uh, he says, is it wrong to want a neutral field game at the Dome at America Center in St. Louis between the Cardinals and the Rams? I think that's exactly right. Yeah, why not? Why not bring the, the departed franchises back? for an NFL preseason game in the city that they that, that they both left uh, after after uh, not finding their financial rewards uh, that, that maybe they did in other markets. So Terrell feels where we're going today. We've got uh, another caller on the line listening to us all the way over in Knoxville. Anthony, what do you have for us in this NFL preseason neutral site phenomenon here on the David Glenn Show? Well, check this out. How about the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers me at Neyland Stadium, the winner of the, of the preseason game gets the revenue. Oh, I like that. Yeah, there's financial incentive for an otherwise throwaway game. Anthony, I hope you get in to the uh, to the organizing group that puts that on because the commission that you would get for bringing that idea to the table is well worth it. Anthony, thank you for your call and for listening to us over in Knoxville. I, I like the I like the caveats, Darren, that people are throwing <laughs> yeah. into this. You know, it's like the winner gets the revenue. Do you think that that a guy competing for a bubble spot would play just a little bit harder if he thought? I might make the team, but I also might get my cut of whatever a preseason game at Neyland Stadium would bring from a revenue perspective. I mean, talking about what, just just south of 100,000 seats and some, uh, let's throw the concessions revenue into that as well, just to make the pot sweeter. 100,000 people, some hot dogs, you know, a few cold beers now that college football stadiums can have beer just about everywhere on the planet. I'm liking where this is going here. I think that the NFL needs to heed our advice and maybe mix it up a little bit. Again, we all know that the reason that these exhibition games are where they are is because franchises are building this in 
to the season ticket package. But wouldn't it be fun if games like the Backyard Battle, games like like the Cowboys and Texans in the Cotton Bowl, uh, the Panthers and the, the Titans at Neyland Stadium, um, and, and who knows, maybe maybe in a regional sense like that, you could bounce it back and forth. Maybe one year's at Carter-Finley, the next year's at Neyland, the next year's at Vanderbilt, and the next year's in Chapel Hill. Who, who knows how that works out? But that's kind of what we're selling here today is just the idea that maybe it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. Maybe the NFL can follow suit with what Major League Baseball's done with playing a game outside the Little League World Series, playing a game at Fort Bragg, playing a game in a cornfield, the NBA uh, allowing the Hornets to scour the state uh, and and time this up with an owner that, as we mentioned in, in the first hour, that is really digging in on two states, one team. And you've got all of these potential venues that you could you could bring in. Let's remember where the Panthers started. I mean, they started in a venue that could easily host one of these games way, way back 25 years ago. So there are opportunities that exist out there. Um, you know, we would love to hear you chime in. You can tweet us at the David Glenn Show Twitter handle or give us a call today as part of our Free For All Friday, 800-849-2761. Uh, chime in. Let us know where your hypothetical preseason game could be if money were not an object hey we've got plenty of other stuff coming up for you here on this panthers takeover day again we're, we're, we'll continue to talk about the uh, the preseason game last night got some great insight just a few moments ago from caroline can from panthers.com uh, on on who some of those folks were that maybe stuck out above others uh, in in the coaches' eyes, at least, as they uh, continue to dissect this game. Uh, lots of folks working on limited sleep down in Charlotte today as they get a, a couple of days off for the players and uh, will re- will resume back down in, uh, in Spartanburg here soon. But uh, Damian Lewis will come on the other side of our next break coming up here in just a few moments, and then Kevin Donnelly joining us here in the 2 o'clock hour. Want to go back to the hypothetical machine here. Uh, we've got Devin, who's been on the line with us for a while from Surf City. Devin, what do you want to offer out as a hypothetical NFL preseason venue uh, that would be a, a slam dunk for the NFL here today on the David Glenn Show? I've got the slam dunk of the century. I think we should take the New York Giants and the New York Jets, and I think they should play at West Point, which is right up the river, and we can give some revenue to uh, to veterans and uh, first responders. Oh, that's a huge idea. Devin, you win, you win the internet today, man. I, I, think you've, I think you've got it. I think you've got, again, a philanthropic reason uh, that the NFL could stage a game at West Point. Beautiful stadium, I might add, too. Right right down the river. Uh, it's, it's just a gorgeous setup uh, uh, there at Mikey Stadium. And now you bring in the Jets and the Giants to play uh, a military veterans benefit game. That is an awesome idea. Again, I hope I hope Darren's scribbling all these things down so we can just send them to, to the commissioner's office uh, you know, Friday afternoon, 4.30 email. Hey, we've got some suggestions for you. I know all of you as fans send those to ADs and head coaches all the time. Maybe we could have you write those for us uh, so we can get those thoughts out there. But, Devin, thank you very much for the call and for hanging on with us. That is exactly what we're looking for in the spirit of this endeavor is where can you play a game where it's – it's different, man. It makes it makes some sort of an impact here uh, that uh, that may be meaningful for uh, for the teams, for the fan bases, uh, and and for all of those that that see NFL preseason games sometimes as being a little bit uh, a little bit hard to watch. Bring them into a venue that might make some sense, and and who knows what you get. We'll take one more call before we uh, we hit the break, and then uh, Damon. Uh, um, uh, excuse me, Damon Lewis will be on the uh, the other side with with Darren uh, getting his uh, recap thoughts. Let's go to CJ, who's on the line from down in Buncombe County. 
Oh, CJ just uh, just fell off. We'll try to get CJ back on uh, here a little bit. We'll have plenty of opportunity to discuss this in the third hour of the program uh, as we uh, continue to get your thoughts on hypothetical NFL venues that might be interesting for the preseason. And, and who knows? Maybe, you know, you got London. That That's a thing. Canton is a thing. I know that those are technically neutral sites, but but we're looking for something a little bit more in the spirit of Major League Baseball's cornfield. So think about it. Come strong. 800-849-2761, our number today. Kind of free-for-all Friday style with this as well a little bit today, too. If you've got any other sports topics that you'd like to get in, we'll certainly get into those in hour number three. And we've we've got a few big ones that are out there. Uh, Real quick tease, Tiger Woods uh, just uh, withdrew from the first FedEx Cup playoff uh, event, uh, citing a mild oblique strain. Uh, but wants to play next week. Man, that's a tough injury to come back from in a very short period of time. Anybody that's ever gone through that process understands what uh, what that's all about. So we'll take a time out right now. When we come back, we'll hear from Damian Lewis, former Panthers defensive lineman, played with a host of teams throughout a 10-plus year career. We'll get uh, some thoughts on, uh, or, or his thoughts on, where the Panthers graded out last night in their preseason win over the Bears. David Jackson filling in for DG today on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to go back to racing. (laughs) Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back into the David Glenn Show. Carolina Panthers takeover day wrapping up. Panther or wrapping up uh, uh, Panthers preseason game. We've been talking a lot about that. They went over the Bears last night, but it's also wrapping up takeover week. Plenty more of these to come next week. So if your favorite team was not represented, chances are it probably will be uh, next week. And we'll uh, we'll get into some of that information a little bit later on. Like we mentioned uh, earlier today with schedules being what they are after games, sometimes it's hard to get people to, to line up right here in this three-hour odyssey window that we get to partake in here at uh, the David Glenn Show each and every day. Uh, so Darren Vaught, because he's got the work ethic of a team of oxen, uh, decided that he was going to get up a little earlier today <laughs> and, uh, and catch up with... With uh, Damon Lewis, former Panthers defensive lineman. He played like all over the country uh, with different NFL teams. He might have an interesting take on the hypothetical question of the day, come to think of it. But uh, Darren and Damon got a chance to catch up uh, on the Panthers preseason game and plenty of other NFL-related topics earlier today. It is Panthers Day as part of our Voices of North Carolina tour, and we have the pleasure of being joined by Damian Lewis, former Carolina Panther, former first-rounder taking taken out of Miami. Damian, good to be with you, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing today? We are excellent. Uh, DG's out of town. He's in London, so he's probably a little bit better than we are, but we did get football <laughs> last night, Damian. Uh, you know, yes, a lot of it's been a long time coming, right? Uh, yeah, it has. And for whatever it's worth, the Panthers got a win in Chicago. Casual fans probably tune out when they hear that there's not going to be any Cam, there's not going to be Luke Keekley. And uh, for various points of this preseason, we might not even see Christian McCaffrey all that much. Do you have a sort of viewing guide for preseason football in that case? Something to tell the casual fan, look for this in the event that you don't get to see your favorite players? Well, the way this thing is starting to shape out, this first preseason game and the fourth preseason game, you're really getting to see a representation of the depth on your football team. So these guys that were out to, you know, last night playing, 
Those these are guys that's going to be you know second team or some of them are going to be starting for a fight position. And the way they play typically determines how stern the depth is on your football team. So for me, I love looking at uh, football this time of year because you get to see the young guys that you like in college. You get to see how much and how far they've come, you know, from April until now. It's the first time they've ever played under the big lights, and it's really exciting for a lot of those guys. And you get to see how guys perform under the lights or how they don't perform so well under the lights. And you get to see them make mistakes and bounce back from that, kind of like Green did last night, starting out with a pick, you know, early on in, uh, in one of his drives, and then he turns around and uh, ends up putting points on the board, played quarterback way better the second half than he did in the second quarter. You know, so you get to see those types of things and get to see these young players grow. Uh, a former defensive lineman yourself, does that impact the way you watch these games at all? Do you do, do you hone in your focus down in the trenches? Yeah, I do watch the trenches. Uh, really paid attention to Marquise Haynes last night and really paid attention to uh, uh, Brian Burns, the first-round pick last night, and both of those guys performed phenomenally. Uh, I think Brian Burns probably had about 20 snaps, and he's able to take those 20 snaps and produce two sacks. Uh, Marquise Haynes played a lot more, but I think he finished the game with two or two-and-a-half sacks. You know, they did a great job of coming off the edge. Those guys will be slated probably as second-string outside linebackers for the Panthers. And if they continue to show that throughout the preseason, when Bruce Irvin and when Mario Addison comes off the field, we have two guys that can rush the passer that will be coming in for them. You know, and that just shows the depth and the strength of this uh, Panthers roster, which to me, I feel like it's probably one of the deepest talent-wise that I've ever seen in Carolina. I mean, it is competition going on in every position. Yeah, and I think that's particularly true for the defensive line, as you've alluded to a couple of times already. Uh, Damien, could you explain to me this? We've heard a lot in the preseason about these this hybrid system that's going to be run with Ron Rivera heading up the defensive play calling again. Uh, going into the second year of him doing that sort of as, as part of his full-time responsibilities as head coach. 3-4, uh, 4-3, doesn't matter. A coaching staff would probably say yes to both. That that's, that's what the Panthers are going to run. Uh, is this something that's, that isn't that commonplace uh, amongst other NFL teams? Because it seems to me like evolving with the times, Teams kind of have to run varied looks anyways. How different is this Panthers defense going to be schematically compared to the rest of the league? Well, it's not. It's going to be different from most teams because when you look at it, they do run a 3-4. They will line up in a 3-4. They will two-gap. But they'll also give you the same look and be one-gapping. So it's, gonna, it's something that's going to give the offenses a lot to take in, a lot to prepare for. And I think that's where the advantage is. And as we know, with a 4-3 defense, you're kind of limited in what you can do in your blitz packages and zone dog packages. Whereas if you're lined up in that 3-4 look, you have two inside linebackers, you have two outside linebackers, and you can really adapt your blitzing game to be more complicated and make looks seem a lot tougher to the offense and, to, and make it feel like you're sending more guys. But at the end of the day, you're still sending five, six max. So it's just the looks and the way the guys cross and move across the formations and things like that. So it allows the Panthers to be much more complicated in their looks to the offense, but you still have those dominant defensive linemen with K.K. Short, with McCoy, and the way those guys are going to be able to rush inside. And then you add these uh, defensive ends in, you know, you add, which are now outside linebackers, Mario Addison and Bruce Irving, which both of those guys combined have over 100 sacks. Now you're talking about some guys that can flat out get after the quarterback. 
So you're really getting those guys more one-on-ones when you slide into that 4-3 look or, you know, move into that 4-3 look from a 3-4 base, and you're able to send some crossing in with Luke Keekley and with uh, Shaq Thompson able to come in and blitz. So it's going to be very, very hard for the offense to get a bead on what they're doing, whereas in the past they've been lining up in a 4-3, and everybody in the country knew what Carolina was going to do. They're going to rush four, and they're going to drop, you know, seven in the coverage, and that's what they've been doing. That's what they've done for the last eight years, and that's going to change this year, which is going to make it different from what they've done in the years past. We're joined by Damian Lewis, former first-rounder taken out of Miami, former Carolina Panther on the defensive line. Um, I've recently been told, Damian, that if you asked most players how many preseason games they truly need before the season starts, they might tell you one, and they might tell you to eliminate the preseason altogether. Uh, How did that fit in your world during your playing days, is it something that were these games that you really needed to get back into the swing of things before the regular season started? I think truth being told, I think most players who've been in this league, they probably need two at the most. You know, you probably play a half in one, probably a little bit more than a half in another, and you're ready to go as a player. But when you look at the younger guys, when you look at developing talent and evaluating guys and building a football roster, Four has to be the sweet number because think of this. We had a bunch of young guys play last night, and the league is moving toward this trend where you're not playing any of your starters. If you are, you know, it's the young ones. And then, you know, next week the starters will play. Week after next, the starters will play three quarters. And then you go into the fourth preseason game, none of the starters will play. All the young guys who are on the bubble of making a team or not is going to play. You have to have time to evaluate those guys and give them a fair shot of making a football team. And when when your roster is loaded, and you have competitions in every room. Every snap counts for those young guys. So just keeping it a full preseason game, I think it's really going to help coaches and help, you know, the um, the, uh, the staff as far as the scouting department and the GM, help those guys make decisions on who to keep and who not to keep and how to move forward with their football team. As a player, preseason, let's just call it what it is, it sucks after you've had, you know, <laughs> a, a half of football because you feel like you're ready to go. But, you know, looking at it from a big picture, it is almost paramount that you have those four preseason games to allow guys who are trying to make a football team have an opportunity to just put their best foot forward and make a football roster. It's only 53 spots, you know, and right now you got, what, 90-plus guys on each team. That's 45 guys who's going to go home and going to have to be out on the street looking for a job, you know, in a couple of weeks, and that's tough. And, you know, they need, they need time to make plays. They need time to show this league what they can do because, yeah, they're auditioning for the Panthers or auditioning for whatever roster they're on, but there's 31 other teams out there that's going to be looking to fill roster spots, and the better stuff they put on film, the better chance they have of getting a chance to play in this league. Damian Lewis with us on Panthers Day as part of our Voices of North Carolina tour here on the David Glenn Show. All right, so you mentioned Will Greer kind of picking up the slack after a rough, shaky start at quarterback. You mentioned the defensive line, the new guys with Brian Burns in particular. Did anything else stick out to you? What else did you glean from what the Panthers did last night? I really liked uh, the way Holyfield came back after he had uh, thrown the ball early on, you know, scoring two touchdowns. Um, you know, you're just looking at a bunch of young guys, and, you know, especially the punt returners. I think they're going to have some decisions to make there. They have, like, three or four guys back there that did a phenomenal job last night of, you know, getting positive yards in the punt return game. And as we know, if you want to make a Super Bowl run, you have to have guys that, you know, that blossom on special teams, especially at that returner position, you know, going out and returning one for a touchdown, really increases your odds of winning a football game. So I think 
all those things showed up last night and showed up in young guys that Panther fans hadn't had a chance to see yet. And I think that's what makes the preseason so excited. So you know, so exciting. So you look at that and you look at, you know, the development of the young linebackers and how those guys played with Shaq Thompson and with Luke Keekley not being in the game. You look at the secondary and seeing guys like Elliott and seeing those guys step up and making plays and things like that. You know, all that stuff is exciting and all that stuff is good to see. Now, next week, you know, some of those guys will get an opportunity to go out and play against guys that are typically be playing a lot of snaps to starting. So we get to evaluate those guys against better competition and see how they rise up to, and uh, face the challenge. So that's what I get excited about, you know, watching the preseason and things like that. All right, last thing for you, Damian, and we'll let you get on your way. Uh, to what degree, I mentioned your ties to the U. You were an all-Big East defensive lineman with the Hurricanes. To what degree do you still keep up with your Canes? Are you excited about Manny Diaz's first year? I am excited. I'm really excited about looking at this defense. You know, we've heard a lot of talk. There's been a lot of selling. And, you know, I've always been a guy that believes that you undersell and overdeliver. And, um, you know, we lost some guys up front that could really get after the passer with Jerome Willis and Joe Jackson. And I just want to see how this new front, you know, emerges and how they play because I think that's going to be paramount to the success of this football team because right now offensively it's a mess. You know, we have three quarterbacks in the yard and neither one of them has really stepped out and put them and separated themselves from the pack as a starter. And, I mean, here we are. We're there two weeks in the training camp right now. So, and they got a game coming up here against Florida. We have to get some consistency on the offensive side of the ball. You know, everybody's praising the defense. We have three linebackers that have been there and coming back. But I'm kind of skeptical about what we have going on up front and kind of skeptical of what we have going on in the secondary because we lost players in both places. So we have guys got to step up and prove themselves. And right off the bat, you got Florida. You know, that's, that's going to be a tough game to start the season that way. Not saying that it's impossible to win that game because Florida has rules of their own, you know, transfer portal and all that and such. But, uh, just really want to see our team come out, start fast, and get after it. And I hope they can go out there and beat Florida early on because I think that will determine the success of this football team right out of the gate. It would go. Even though it's not a conference game, Damian, I think it would go a long way in sort of jump-starting their, their run to try and win their division within the ACC. I, I agree. Uh, Damian Lewis, former Carolina Panther, former NFL defensive lineman. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, for those not aware, you can find Damian uh, on the Carolina Panthers radio network where you, you've got a, a bit of a role. You'll be doing some stuff here and there for them. So uh, thanks, as always, for the time, Damian, and we'll catch up again soon, all right? I appreciate it, Darren. Great to have Damian Lewis on the program, and thanks again to Darren Vaught for uh, for chasing that interview down this morning uh, to kind of fit in with Damian's schedule and uh, get his uh, his really detailed thoughts. Darren, I love the question about, you know, does he look at the game from that defensive lineman perspective? Because I think that all of us, whether you played youth sports, uh, you know, I, I watch baseball games and I watch the third baseman because I played third base. I, I think that not only does Damian, uh, you know, as he said, he, he definitely does that. But in a year where there's so much to glean from that because of the nuances of the scheme and the, and the different ways that that the Panthers are going to be able to attack people defensively. I thought he did a great job of kind of laying out some of the nuances of what you should expect to see, but what also you're not going to see. I, I thought that was excellent insight from a from a guy who's definitely uh, uh, sweat the sweat in a, in a very difficult position. Yeah, no, he was great, and you'd have to, right? I mean, I, as a former baseball player, uh, played a number of positions defensively, but mainly middle infield. So when I watch a game, I have a particular focus on infielders and you know things that I've done I know I'll watch baseball games with DG he pitched for a long time 
he's going to pay it more attention to something like the pitcher than I'm going to because I wasn't I wasn't a pitcher at any level. So uh, no, it was I, I think pertinent to ask Damian, especially given the the depth of the defensive line for the Panthers, which he he talked about in length. Do you get the idea that as a pitcher, DG was a trash talker? Had to be right. I mean, I, I got to think that he wasn't a nibbler either. He he was a guy that was going to throw his 78-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle of the plate, and as you hit it four feet up the wall, he's probably screaming in your ear to not show him up as you round yeah. first base. That's the way I picture DG uh, on the mound. But uh, but that's, that's, that's a great visual, actually. Um, but, yeah, it's a great insight there from Damian Lewis. Uh, again, I, I think that we'll see a little bit more of this defensive evolution as we go to week two. Uh, and Caroline Can alluded to that a little bit earlier, where where uh, playing time uh, will will kind of be distributed a little bit differently. Looks like we are going to see some more of the starters in there for that second week as, as the Carolina Panthers continue to build through this 2019 preseason. So we've got plenty to come on the program. We've got uh, Kevin Donnelly kicking off hour number three here in just a few moments. And again, remember our hypothetical question of the day: If you could take the revenue aside and play an NFL preseason game in a neutral site. Anywhere in the universe since the moon has been brought into this, where would your favorite location be? You can give us a call at 800-849-2761. Let us know what that location is. Part of a free-for-all Friday and a Panthers takeover Friday. David Jackson filling in for DG today on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Hour number two of this Carolina Panthers takeover day just about concluded. David Jackson in for DG today. Darren Vaught holding things down at DG headquarters central. It's it's a palatial establishment with uh, marble countertops holding nine yards. Uh, we'd like to thank Christian and Philip, uh, both App State interns, for working the phone lines today. And our hypothetical question of the day still is out there. If money's not a thing and you can wave the magic DG show wand and take all of the other constraints away and have the ability to schedule an NFL preseason game in any neutral site venue in the world, in the universe, as a matter of fact, where would you do it? What would be the cool place to stage an NFL preseason game that's not just putting it in the same stadiums that they play in on Sundays? Phone lines are open in hour number three, 800-849-2761. Coming up after this break, Kevin Donnelly of the Panthers Radio Network, uh, Panther Vision as well, will join us with some insights on last night's win over the Bears for the Panthers in preseason play. Hour number three, right around the corner. David Jackson in for DG today on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show.